listening to the Big Finish podcast. Official launch date May the 15th, 2017. <laughs> Yes, here we are. I'm Benji Clifford, Big Finish sound designer and composer, jaw harp and kazoo connoisseur, man of infinite bants and chat. The man, uh, the man you heard just now was Mr. Nicholas Briggs, the voice of the famous Mark III travel machine. That's right. I just, I just want us to call them that now and confuse <laughs> every. Oh yeah, you, like we sound like classic car enthusiasts, don't we? I love the old Mark III travel machine. Real. Does it have voice control? <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit angry, but that's part voice of its control. Represents an enormous step forward. <laughs> oh yes, but yes, that that is the voice of Davros. No, that's the voice of Nicholas Briggs. He's a director, producer, sound designer, actor, musician, and generally wonderful man. Actually, a real legend. Uh, and as of this week, he is the award-winning. Uh, Thanks to the Doctor Who Appreciation Society, he has been given an award for his outstanding contribution to Doctor Who. So, round of applause there for Mr. B. That was it. Oh, well, yes, I, I was deeply humbled by that. Thank you to the Doctor Who Appreciation Society. I did go on about it on Facebook, of course. Yeah, but rightfully so. 27,000 people said thank you they didn't um anyway uh, yes yes um, that's a great introduction i'm i don't want to say uh but i will say this we at big finish are the proud purveyors of fine audio drama and audio books things like doctor who torchwood blake seven actually not things like them <laughs> actually them uh, loads of other great stuff too i simply don't know where to start i'm bewildered have a look at bigfinish.com I was about to say that's right, the real McCoy, and then and then I was like, it actually is the real McCoy. <laughs> it is the real McCoy who I saw the other day. Bless him. What a legend! What I a did legend! I, I, he'd, he'd missed a recording because he'd been uh, ill, you know, just with a bit of bronchitis. He's all right now, um, and so I wrote to him and said, "Thanks for coming in, you know, on the day when you were feeling rough and being brilliant and da 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 da. Lots of lovely things that I felt about him." And uh, he just sent a, a single four-letter word as the reply. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> As, with a with a kiss next to it, and I did ask him. I said, "What what was that reply about?" And he just went. <laughs> 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 That's it. That's it. Anyway, love him. What he is a legend, though. The man is is is, is. is a legend. Um, yes, yeah, so coming up in this podcast, uh, there's a guest star interview with the awesomely brilliant Daphne Ashbrook, star yes. of Doctor Who TV movie and, more recently, Captain Ruth Matheson in our Worlds of Doctor Who and Tales from the Vault releases. And this podcast's drama tease will be 15 minutes from Vortex Eyes. The first 15 minutes will be silly playing you the last 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, starring Colin Baker as the Doctor and Lisa Greenwood as Flip unmissable and it's out this week so this extract is a, a real not to be missed preview there will of course be our usual rick's rick's mixture <laughs> rich a rick's mixture a rick's mixture a mixture of rick's uh, whatever rick's is right in what rickshaws. is what is yeah rickshaw a mixture of rickshaws um our usual rich mixture of regular features in a moment the big finish news after that listeners emails then later the randomoid selectatron and a roundup with Nick and his lasso of the latest releases. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! So strap in, cowboy, for a ride through podcast heaven. Uh, 
But now it's time for the news. This is the Big Finish News. Q, Nick, and Bell. <laughs> no, I do it like this, don't I? <laughs> Q, Nick, and Bell. It's so long since I've done it. Q, Nick, and Benji. When you laughed, then you sounded a bit like Ronnie Corbett. <laughs> <laughs> That was the news bugle. (laughs) God. (laughs) That was played on the kazoo. Played on the kazoo. It's already getting far too hot in my shed here. I'm gonna have to open the window. It's one of those days, isn't it? Unlike, unlike. I think was was it yesterday? No, the day before, where um, I was I was out with my friend. We were in his lovely uh, Morris Minor Traveller. And it was so, so hot that we, we were in our T-shirts and we thought, oh, this is great, you know, what wonderful weather. Got back to his place, unloaded the car, looked outside, grey, rain. Absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. England, England for you. We used to have a Morris Traveller. You're Did so you? retro. Yeah, yeah. He's more retro than me, actually. He's um, green. What colour was his? His one is uh, lovely blue. Yeah, navy, that light sort of. blue. Yeah. They're, they're very popular, the blue ones. My, my best friend's parents had a blue one, yeah. They're, they're brilliant cars, brilliant cars. He, I wish I had the time to tell you a whole anecdote about Morris Travellers and a series called Free Wheelers on <sighs> Southern Television and an explosion, but I just haven't got the time. Haven't got the... We're, we're going to have to imagine it, basically. So yeah, if you're yeah. sitting at home, just imagine that great anecdote in all its glory. <laughs> That's the theme tune of Free Wheelers. I'll have to check it out. I've never seen... Yeah. I've heard of Free yeah, Wheelers. But. Yeah, check it out. I've got the DVD box set and everything. It's got go. Wendy Padbury in it. Oh, excellent. Well, that's an Ronald excuse Ronald Lee Hunt. I mean, mm. what else? Yeah. That's it. That sounds, that's a good weekend's viewing there, right there. <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, going back into what you're all listening to, which is the Big Finish podcast, uh, the first item of news is completely top secret. So yes. if you're listening to this after 5.15 on Monday, the 15th of May, you'll know this news already. But since this podcast will be released on Sunday, uh, the 14th of May, we just can't spill the beans. Pity us, you people of the future. Here we are, in the past, unable to celebrate what will be truly one of the most exciting bits of Big Finish news you might ever hear. Benji's right, it is very exciting, but totally top secret. Only top secret because, at this point, the productions in question still haven't uh, completed their studio recordings and we don't like to tempt fate. So. Enjoy that news. It's great. And we'll certainly be uh, talking about it. Oh, yes. In the next podcast. It's it's some some real, uh, a real humdinger of news, a real nugget of wonderful news there. Uh, what does humdinger sound like? Sort of, mm, ding. <laughs> sort of, um, ding. I don't know. Maybe it's a sort of, maybe it's this. And then a sort of. No, I can't do it. <laughs> it just hurt my tongue, um, yeah, if anything. I could see that. I saw wince on your so, face. Yeah, it was, it was a horrible... <laughs> it was, oh, it was a dreadful mistake. I was trying mistake. to be funny and I've cut my face open. Oh, more than meant to go like that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so here's some news that we can actually talk about. So, Phew. released on Tuesday the 16th of May is the Sixth Doctor Double Bill Adventure, Vortex Ice, Cortex Fire. Two adventures by Jonathan Morris and Ian Potter. Naturally, they star Colin Baker as good old Sixie, 
And here he is joined by the one and only Lisa Greenwood as Flip Jackson. Here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. (laughs) Doctor Who. Vortex Ice. Cortex Fire. You don't actually believe the Doctor. In the last hour, I've seen a cave of giant crystals, the remains of an alien spaceship and its pilot. Right now, I'll believe anything. Whenabouts are we? Past or future? As far as you're concerned, the present. Northern Mexico. Chihuahua. You're not letting them come with us, Professor. I don't see that I have any choice, Yannick. But I don't trust them. I'm not asking you to trust them. Professor... I think we might be able to pool our resources. After all, we're both looking for the same thing. What? Alien life. Use the brake bar, you're going far too fast. I'll be the judge of that, mate. Is your friend always so reckless? Holly! Holly! What the hell's going on? I'm missing something very obvious. When they dug it up, there was something inside. Hey! I, I think we found your source. Therefore it has happened. Therefore it will happen. Therefore it must happen. This is our destiny. It has now been written. What the hell? I'm sorry. I had to do it. Big Finish. We love stories. And as we mentioned earlier, we'll be giving you a 15-minute preview of Vortex Ice later at the end of this podcast. And don't forget, if you purchase this Doctor Who main monthly range release direct from Big Finish, you'll be able to access a digital download of the story, which you'll be able to listen to through the Big Finish app, available for iOS and Android. Hey, thank you all. Next up, something a bit new for Big Finish, an audiobook entitled Writing on the Water. It's written and read by Jane Slavin and is out on Monday the 15th of May. Here's an extract. The phone rang all day long. A hot bank holiday in August when everyone I knew was apparently gripped by chronic boredom or loneliness. I had a lot to do and it would have been wise just to let it go to voicemail. But I picked up every time I heard it howl. My flat was in chaos. I was in the middle of decorating it but was forever waylaid. Sentiment, old clothes a memory stuffed carelessly between two pages of a book. The phone again. I should also have been looking at a script for the next day's work. September the 1st. It felt like a new year, like a beginning. I saw the London air turning crisp and cool overnight. Summer's end. I watched the sunshine drifting off towards some other city. It would leave without me, as it always did. As many of you will know, Jane Slavin is a regular contributor to Big Finish. She's been in many of our productions and, as announced recently, will be playing a new companion for The Fourth Doctor when she appears as Anne Kelso, a police officer who gets whisked away in the TARDIS. Her book, Writing on the Water, is very much an adult piece of work, not suitable for younger listeners, but we just knew we had to produce the audiobook of it. It's had the most amazing reviews from people like Faye Weldon, Rose Tremaine, Sally Feldman and Sally Morris. I wonder whether they both really were called Sally or I've just messed that up. Anyway, uh, go straight to bigfinish.com to read their comments on uh, the writing on the water page. Highly recommended. As you heard, Jane's reading is superb. It's some of the best acting I've ever heard, actually. Going to have to check that one out, actually. So definitely one on my list of many uh, Big Finish things to check out. 
so yes, next up, the haunting of the haunting sound like a cockney. There. Haunting. Uh, next up, the haunting <laughs> of Cold Blimey, the haunting of Malkin Place. Uh, yes, it's the haunting of Malkin Place, and that is the latest Fourth Doctor adventure, and it'll be released this week. Is the trailer coming soon from Big Finish Productions? Doctor Who, the Fourth Doctor adventures. The Haunting of Malkin Place. Thomas and I are on our way to a most definite case of haunting. Old isolated house called Malkin Place. Two residents, Beatrice and Morris, 23 years old. Very strange goings on. Oh, oh God. Beatrice. Oh. What is it? Someone's coming. Who's there? There. Coming over the marsh. Not possible. A Turn of the Screw by Henry James. It's good you're reading the best literature from this period of Earth's history. Is that noise again? From the attic? Look, it's a venerable old townhouse. It's bound to make some odd noise. Are you worried it's haunted? That's it. I'm going up there. It's fine, Romana. Do you know who's up there? If you must know, I wrote myself a little note. Dear Doctor, don't go up to the attic. Best wishes, the Doctor. <laughs> and if there's one person I trust absolutely, it's myself. Stop! Nobody move. A definite cold spot. And strongest just Ooh. here. Welcome, welcome. Thank you all for gathering. Speaking to the spirits present in this house. Who's doing that? It's a trick. It must be. Only I share your suspicion. Big finish. We love stories. The release will also feature the digital bonus of an extended set of behind-the-scenes extras available exclusively through Big Finish. Uh, this is a really uh, superb script by Phil Mulrine. It may have been the first thing he ever wrote for us, actually. He's also an actor. We, we got to know him as an actor. Uh, I had the honour to direct it. And speaking of honour, I feel honour-bound to mention that my son Ben features in it as a very haunting child. <laughs> yes, you may remember uh, a few weeks back um, I interviewed him in the podcast and he said he was doing funny giggles and, and crying and what have you. I did ask him to be in today's podcast and he said, Oh no, Daddy, I'm not in a very good mood. <laughs> oh, poor chap. Um, and I can confirm that, actually, because he's been a right pain in the backside <laughs> all day. <laughs> poor chap, but poor yeah. chap. But never mind, never mind. You know, the, these actors, you know, you never know what they're going to be like sometimes. It's true. You know, That's I think when you've got to be a haunting child, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure to perform such a such a role. Yeah. But I'm looking yeah. forward to hearing that. It's, it's not his acting debut as well. It's it's not. He's been in other big finishes, hasn't he? I believe. He has. He was in The Light at the End, for example. Which is and, um, arg arguably our, our, that's our sort of centrepiece production, isn't it? It's a huge... Well, it did bring a lot of new people to big finish. Yeah. And it looks gorgeous. And I love the. I love. I always love that box art. Whenever I go to big finish things and I see the lovely sort of, it's like that pinky color. It could not be pink. I'm colorblind, but it's a pinky yeah, it, color. It isn't pink at all. No. Well, Are you really colorblind? I am colorblind. Yeah. 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 It's definitely not pink. What color's my shirt then? Uh, it looks pink. <laughs> oh, it is pink. Well, you got uh, that right. That's all right. It's just that you think everything's pink. Oh that's yeah, what, I think everything's pink. I, I I take all these white shirts out of the washing machine. 
and go, God, they've all come out pink, haven't they? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that bad. Just shades. If you've been just affected shades. by the issues raised in this colourblind discussion, uh, please email in Don't Be So Offensive Nick Briggs. <laughs> Buck up, Briggs. Buck up! Buck up! I shouldn't do that. I've got a bit of a sore throat. Buck up! <laughs> Buck up! That may lead to death. <laughs> it started. It started. I'm sure there must be people out there just really sick of all this death to the Daleks banter. How, how can that be? How can that be? Here's an interesting... I was actually just going to say, uh, I, just, I was going to email you this just before. I was listening to the uh, the soundtrack to Doctor Who and the Silurians. Oh. Uh, and did you know that um, Carrie Blyton has, has actually recycled some cues from Death to the Daleks, hidden really deep down uh, in the mix? I could hear quite a few little bits. Well, it would be the other way around because Silurians came first. Absolutely, you just hit the nail on the head. I just, I just think of Death to the Daleks as being earlier for some reason, but it's not at all. Goodness me! Absolutely yeah. not. The Silurians as the second. Absolutely not. Yeah. Jumpertsy one. Well, there we go. Really? Then so it's been recycled has, the other way yes. around. It's well, I mean, it, the, there was a couple of years between them, three years between them, wasn't it? <laughs> just goes and back so and forgets about it. Yeah, well, I'm sure he had a lot of other things on his mind. He was, you know, a very happening uh, modern composer. He also was a great uh, lecturer of, um, you know, a university for musical technique. Um, Mark Ayres, uh, you know Mark Ayres? Yeah. He was taught by Carrie Blyton. And he You're said that his, some of his uh, sessions were the most exciting he ever attended, where uh, Carrie Blyton had all these ideas about how to make music in alternative ways, like by firing ping-pong balls at the strings of a piano and things like that. Oh, wow. Well, that, but that's the, that's the beauty of music, isn't it? It's, it's about creating those weirds i mean it's like it's like when i, I talked to you about um, when you do the music for survivors and i love mm. it how you were like yeah you were like because i i remember it was, it was very early on when i when i knew you as in i was talking to you and you were like yeah yeah i was like how do you get all those sounds what synthesizers do you use and you were like i just kind of just shove loads of stuff through through filters and ring modulators <laughs> i was like yeah but fair play it works you know? it does yes, it yes. does work it's sort of lovely and old school in that that way well, there, well, there was one one particular um episode of the first series of survivors where i was in the wrong place to use the synthesizer well the the um um the samples that i normally use and so i thought oh god i i, I have to do this soundtrack just in the old radiophonic way and I did it entirely by just kicking and bashing things and filtering and stretching them and echoing them. I just, yeah, I think it, I can't remember which episode it is, but it is noticeable that it, the, the music's very different. There's lots of bashing around and stuff. I think th- <laughs> but it's, uh, that's what's brilliant. In fact, I, I put out a tweet yesterday, as I, a very bold statement, but I said I think that um, Tristram uh, carries uh score for the Daleks or the Dead mm. Planet or whatever you want to call it, the mutant whatever you want to call it I think the that the first Dalek story the first yeah. Dalek story I think that that is the most innovative score in the history of Doctor Who I absolutely think it is It's in, and, and not just Doctor Who in television because mm. when you hear that I every time I, I watch that that serial and I have to say I watch it quite a lot because it's one of my favourites It I'm blown away by just how ahead of ahead of its time it really is I mean that is radiophonic yeah. oh it's gorgeous some of those sounds although I don't think he did it at the radiophonic workshop well um, he, he, he I remember he, watching a thing where he had loads of stuff in his garage old World War 2 technology that he yeah. just made into instruments and things like that so it's, it's quite a quite a and uh, I think it's in many ways it's uh, iconically Doctor Who that score because it got reused so often Absolutely. I mean, it it, it got reused uh, in uh, the Dalek 
master plan, didn't it? And also they reused it in the arc as well. And I think, oh, and also the power of the Daleks, it got reused in, didn't it? It, it exactly. Power, it's it's yeah. it's, it, and as well as that, some of the sounds in that story as well, like like the Dalek corridor, which I never know if that's a, I never know if that's music or or an actual sound effect because it's slightly musical. It is. That, that's from the Radiophonic Workshop, that. Right, yes. OK. Yeah, I'm pretty certain anyway, but please do write in, folks, if I'm wrong about this, because I don't pretend to be the ultimate authority on these matters. Um, yeah, but although, interestingly, the score he did for The Mutants, the 1972 story, is one of the most controversial because he was using state-of-the-art synthesizers at the time, and it's really atonal and and is is hated by most people who listen to it you know it's quite harsh on the ears it's it's funny isn't it how how it, i find one of the things i find fascinating certainly about doctor who music in general is is that there's so many different opinions and so many people like different ones for different reasons and i think that's kind of kind of quite fun really like i i like i like these these discussions where you say to people oh like you know i love i love the uh, the paddy kings and stuff uh, and I, I've spoken to people and they say, oh, you know, I'm not too keen on that. I felt it was just a bit inappropriate for the stories, vice versa, you know. But who knows, at the end of the day, it's... It's all down to personal taste. I mean, someone the other day talking to me said that the, I never really much liked Dudley Simpson's work and I felt like saying, get out! Buck up and get out. <laughs> I mean, what? how could you not like Dudley Simpson? I mean, I know he, you know, he had a lot to do and I think sometimes there were... I mean... Given that he had so much to do, he hardly ever did any retreads of anything, did he? I think sometimes he fell into the same types of composition, but were, they were for the same types of situation. Well, that's it. It's it's, it's like anything. Cues. He because he was. Well, am I right in thinking he was probably one of the the long, the longest running sort of regular uh, musician on Doctor Who? Surely, yes. Um, and so, in some ways, he... well, he did most of the John Pertwee and Tom Baker, Tom Baker yeah. stories, uh, with a few bits before that, both in the William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton era. So think... he also did the Underwater Menace, didn't he? He, did, he used very pioneering use of uh, synthesizers there. Just, yeah, I'm, I see. I, I, whenever I think of Whenever I think of the Underwater Menace soundtrack, uh, it always reminds me of the Underwater Menace and uh, uh, Resurrection of the Daleks. Both those two soundtracks, for me, just remind me so much of growing up in, in the 90s because it was like it was when people used to make fan films and stuff on the internet and those would all be used like constantly you'd be like here it comes <laughs> really? here comes the score and then you suddenly hear like the dum 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 but the Daleks is like yep yeah, I knew it was coming oh yeah yeah but anyway, we've massively gone off at a tangent but I hope this yeah, was yeah. an interesting tangent though yeah like, well let's hope so let's hope so it's, you know it's, it's Doctor Who music it's sort of fun isn't it and finally a tease of the long awaited news about Blake 7 yes Woo! at last We've bucked up! However, full details will be released on the BigFinish.com site on the 18th of May. I don't want to spoil it here. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll say nothing except that here's a trailer yeah. for the continuing adventures of Blake 7 from Big Finish and coming soon in the next couple of months or so. Here it is! So this is what freedom looks like. No, not freedom. This is anarchy. You may have to remind me of the difference. Why are we doing this, Dana? Attention unauthorized intruders. This station is now under Federation control. What is it you hate so much about the Federation? Are you serious? I want to understand. It provides for its people, 
creates work, maintains law and order. At least, it did. There are better ways of doing that without using an iron fist. You can hear this, Kelly? I can hear you, yes. Get out of my head. I'm not in your head, you're in mine. Villa Restal. Yes? It's been far too long, my sweetness. Hello, Kravis. Weapons ready. We don't know who or what might be waiting for us behind that door. Brace yourselves. You! I should have guessed. Big Finish. We love stories. Not exactly the white knight I'd imagined, but I suppose you'll have to do. Sorry. <laughs> I, I know that after that you're bursting with questions now. Exciting though, hey? Yes, producer John Ainsworth has been very busy indeed. And so, that's the end of the news. That's right, I've literally uh, put it in a dustbin, uh, mic'd it up with a microphone. Uh, I've, I've run it through about 50 ring modulators, a couple of phasers, um, a dodgy chorus pedal from about 1992. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just kicking it. I'm, I'm kicking a lot out of the news and it's making great sounds. And yeah, who knows? That perhaps It'll probably feature in the next series of Survivors. Probably. That's, that's, where did, where, what happened to the news? Oh, yeah, it's in Survivors Series 6. <laughs> cool. Okay, fine. Okay, time now for listeners' emails. It is often said that I love an email, and I can't deny it. I love all emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. That's podcast at bigfinish.com. And even the really weird ones. I just love them all. Or maybe especially the really weird ones. I really do love them all. So, first up, this one is from Alexander Basden. Hello, Mr. Briggs and Mr. Clifford. Due to Mr. <laughs> this sounds like a sort of like a, an official letter. Due to Mr. Clifford's recent shenanigans with the jaw harp and the kazoo, I decided to buy some of my own. You see, that is that is the type of email that I like to see people people taking the jump and and. Buying some fantastic uh, new joining in, joining in, yeah, joining in and buying some fantastic instruments. Yeah. Uh, he says here that I was able to find a 1930s original tin kazoo of, I believe, the same make and model as Benji's. Remember, don't blow, hum, as the packaging tells us. <laughs> That's correct. I got it on Amazon actually. It's uh, it, it, it certainly wasn't it, it wasn't the economy one. That's that's the thing. Never never go for the economy on these things because yeah, buy cheap, buy twice. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> See, not my words, the words of uh, Mr. Nicholas Briggs. Actually, there. it's the words of my my good friend Janice Wilson, who won't be listening to this podcast, so I can <laughs> abuse her as much as I like <laughs> verbally. I would add. Yeah, yeah, she always says that. What she's how much do those cost you? Yeah, buy cheap, buy twice. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, if if you're gonna you waste your money on things, you will pay the price. In fact, as Alan Partridge fam- famously said, 
if you mess with monkeys, you pay the price. Um, <laughs> don't know what that. Don't know why that popped into my head. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, he says here that I've been learning to play them over the last week and have put together a cover of a certain piece of music known to all listeners of the podcast. Here it is. <laughs> to admit dude that is smashing work absolutely love it and it's it's so good it was when it was when the jaw harp came in actually that that i truly i truly was sold on just how brilliant it is because the two they, the, you know the kazoo and the jaw harp they they marry into each other quite wonderfully don't they so well done keep up the rocking work dude uh, so yes, he says here that you have my full permission to feature this on the podcast, share and enjoy, etc. Well, that's good because we we actually already played it. <laughs> uh, he says here, uh, whilst I'm here, I have a challenge for Benji. I would like to hear him compose a ballad to the Pig of Rassilon to play on the kazoo, jaw harp, or both. Well, Nick sent me this email uh, about ten minutes before we we got cracking. It was actually, literally ten minutes, and yes. I just thought, oh, I thought that's, that's my type of challenge, you know. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't like to to turn down a challenge, and that really is my type of challenge. And so here it is. <laughs> piece of work remarkable <laughs> it's it's worth to no- do that in 10 minutes do that that in 10 minutes that's very good well the, the stupid thing about it was that, that that as most musicians will tell you that you, you usually start with the drums if you're doing anything so you'd start with the beat and for some reason i decided to do the whole thing and then add the beat in the end and then get crossed <laughs> because some bits weren't perfectly in time and i was like <laughs> oh why isn't it in time why are you such an idiot and then i was like oh no actually Actually, no, it's, it's because I, I added the drums at the end. Um, but, yeah, great fun. Love that, though. Perhaps it's a new type of music. Perhaps we're on the we're on the crest of a wave of... Uh, the 10-minute music challenge. The 10-minute <laughs> mu- music challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Recommendations, please. Finally, Alexander has a suggestion uh, for a parley with the Why Did You End the Novel Adaptations people? One of the stories I was most looking forward to hearing as a novel adaptation was Mark Platt's 1997 novel Lung Barrow, which, brackets, if my facts are correct, close brackets, is set immediately before the Paul McGann movie and leads into it directly. Lung Barrow itself being an updated, expanded version of the story that eventually became TV's Ghostlight, perhaps a, a heavy rewrite and expansion by the author could see it become a Seventh Doctor, The Last Adventure box set, similar to what Mr. Briggs did for The Sixth Doctor. Just imagine. 
Uh, nifty idea. Like it, like it. Uh, hope my email isn't too long. Be seeing you. Alexander Basden. P.S. Mr. Clifford, what is the strangest musical instrument that you have ever encountered? Uh, I, I, I can tell you this for a fact, actually, is the strangest instrument I've ever encountered is the nose flute, um, which is a rather strange thing. You, you put it in your mouth and it sort of goes upwards towards your nostrils. And uh, it's a very odd thing. Um, and you will occasionally find, uh, especially if you Google it, you'll especially find things like uh, people think somebody does green sleeves <laughs> it's it's a very weird instrument the other one i love i can't remember the name but it's like this thing it's it's basically the sound of cowboys it's you hit this it's got this like little ball on a um and a sort of cowbell like thing on the bottom and you hit the ball and it sort of goes i can't explain it it's, it's a weird sort of I don't know. I, I was I was around my friend's house and we were recording the other day and I just found it and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever encountered. It wasn't. I completely lied. Well, while you've been talking, I wanted to look up something because I could think of a really weird name for an instrument, which is a Muccanese battle horn. <laughs> and I remember that, that there's a film called The Case of the Muccanese Battle Horn, which is a 30-minute comedy film starring Peter Sellers, Spike Milligan and Dick Emery. Oh, that sounds Made, made in 1955, yeah. And I remember when I went to see, um, I think it was Life of Brian, but it may have been uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I can't remember which. It was on as a support feature. <laughs> no way! I only, I, only saw, I only saw like the last ten minutes of it or something. Anyway, I I've was never uh, seen the whole film. I should get it, shouldn't I? We should. Yeah, I, I want to watch that. That sounds. Great. I love a bit of Spike Milligan. Yeah. Who who was in the weird. life of Brian actually? Uh, indeed, indeed. He was on that holiday. Maybe. That's what was my favourite bit. He was just on holiday, and they just it bumped into him and said, "Come on, do a scene," and he improvised <laughs> it. And yeah, legend, legend. Wow. Um, right, next up, this from John G. Wood. Hi, Nick and Benji. This is primarily a personal note to Nick, though feel free to read it out if you think it would entertain your listeners. I think I think it might. Uh, he, he admits that he's horrendously behind on listening to the podcast, and he've just, he's just heard the one from the Port Marion Prisoner Convention, which was entertaining as ever, so thanks for that. You're very, very welcome, John. Uh, it also brought back nostalgic memories, one of which is a tale with a moral just like the ones we used to be told as kids back in the day. When I was a bit younger than Ben is now, around 1969 or 70, I think, my family went on our first visit to Port Marion. When we got off the train, we were not sure which way to go, so I, uh, I was sent to ask an old man who was standing nearby. I liked to help, unlike my son, who never likes to help. Uh, <laughs> he pointed out the route. I thanked him very politely because that was how I was brought up and turned to go. It's not how my son was brought up. Anyway, uh, he called back to me and said that if we fancied a prettier walk, we should keep an eye out for a certain small turning off the main track. This sounds like the beginning of a horror movie, doesn't it? <laughs> and then it went horribly wrong. <laughs> we met a community of cannibals. Anyway, uh, I thanked him again. <laughs> we set up. I'm, I'm spoiling this rather touching email. Sure enough, it was a nicer path winding through woodland we arrived in the village spent the day looking around and it wasn't until we were leaving that we saw the ticket office at the main gate you're not obliged to any say anything but anything you do say 
will be used against you or what? No, I'm arresting you. Um, um, because of my politeness, the old gentleman, I can't even remember how people arrest people. I don't watch enough thrillers. Because of my politeness, the old gentleman had directed us onto a route whereby we didn't have to pay a penny. Awesome. So remember, kids, politeness gets you the good stuff. Not sure about that moral. Anyway, never hurts. the final twist is somewhat uncertain, but a little later my parents saw a photograph of Sir Clough Williams Ellis, the architect of Port Marion. Allowing for ageing, it looked very like the old man at the station. My mother at least was convinced that it was Williams Ellis who had effectively given us a free pass. Awesome. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's. I don't know whether that fits with his character because I've read about him and he apparently he deliberately made it expensive to go to Port Mary and to discourage people from going because he wanted it to be exclusive but there you go uh, maybe meeting a nice family and a polite young lad like you John he, he um, couldn't, decided couldn't to resist yes re- reverse his principles and in case you're wondering that turning no longer exists <sighs> because that way leads to <laughs> death I added that bit in. Anyway, uh, but the turning does no longer exist, apparently. I became a fan of The Prisoner, John continues, later, of course. I probably watched the same 1970s repeats Nick did on my father's recommendation. Same as me, yeah. And I'm delighted that Nick is getting an opportunity to write for the show. There's something about the old 60s shows that resonates with me in a way that no other decade manages, an atmosphere that also came through brilliantly in Countermeasures, which is our series, um, spun off from the characters in Remembrance of the Daleks, the 1980s Sylvester McCoy story set in 1963. Anyway, unlike Nick, I am fond of Thomas the Tank Engine. I was very rude about Thomas the Tank Engine recently. As were my children for a while. We used to role-play it. Well, fair enough. Takes all sorts. However, I do agree with Nick regarding the whole class thing. Yes, I said it was terribly ridden with class. Oh, yeah. Distinctions and and inequality. And as a a result, my favourite moment was when my daughter playing Thomas declared that's it I'm going on strike (laughs) (laughs) all the best John although I would say for any trade unionists listening characterising the workers struggle merely as going on strike is of course done only in a a comedic sense (laughs) if I got away with that I don't know I think you have you see I I I liked Thomas when I grew up but I I preferred it's uh, sister show called Tugs which was so much better mm. it's a brilliant show because it was it was instead of did having, it feature any industrial action it did it did indeed they were hard working uh, tugboats in the 1920s but um, the difference was instead of having sort of class based sort of trains and that it basically had two fleets of tugs one were these hard working sort of Americans who were actually all English and one was some cool mafia-like gangsters, uh, the the Zeros, and absolutely awesome show, uh, a show filled with explosions and and all sorts. Wow. It's quite frightening actually. It's like it's big action filmed at Shepperton Studios and that. And the explosions were so uh, big that uh, it used to set the uh, the sprinklers off in the uh, in the effect in the the, the studio suite for the <laughs> the effects room. Um, but need- I've never heard of it. I think I'm the, the wrong generation. It is. It was an it. '80s uh, thing. But needless to I say, was too old to be I, watching kids' I, television then. Oh, absolutely. Sorry, Nick. Never too old. <laughs> never too old. But it was one of those weird things because years later, uh, I I thought, oh god, I must be the only person I know uh, who likes this program, this show. And uh, I, I went on Google, 
as you do, found an internet forum of other people that like it and was sort of saying, oh my God, you know, it's the first time I talked to anybody that remembers this show. And fast forward a couple of years and we got a, uh, an email through from a guy who said, oh, we've, um, we've found a load of these models in the Shepperton, uh, in, in skips at Shepperton Studios. Um, do you want them? And so we took them in and we've, we've got all the original models from this wonderful uh, children's television show which we're preserving and we've got it all there and it's crazy it's, they're gorgeous wow. they're absolutely gorgeous uh, and you can now go and see them at a, uh, we've got a little little thing in the Midlands uh, you can go and see the exhibit yeah it's crazy isn't it talk about little adventure but I couldn't I, they've got little faces you can't you can't little faces you've got little faces he's got a kind face but interestingly I like Thomas the Tank Engine yeah but I would say that Thomas the Tank Engine the, the incarnation of it that I did like was Johnny Morris of animal magic fame, not Big Finish writing, fame. <laughs> uh, re- reading them on uh, little uh, little single little you know single vinyls, seven inch. Yeah, he's you could buy them on that, and he read them so beautifully. I think I used to have them I on. Really put up with anyone else reading them after that. I think I had them on cassette tape actually when I was really little. I, I remember having them like that, and they were wonderfully read, and they were wonderfully. Yeah. They had some sort of yeah nice music and yeah. Yeah, he did all the sort of um, phrases that the engines said and the car- carriages said beautifully. He had a very melodic voice, you know. Like, come along, bong, bong, come <laughs> along, bong, bong, all that. Well, my last thing to say, actually, very quickly, talking, seeing as we're predominantly talking to Doctor Who people here, um, in Tugs, uh, one of the Tugs was voiced by Timothy Bateson, who, uh, he was he was in Doctor Who, he was in the key to time uh <laughs> Yeah, he was. He was. He played. Who's he he played. Play? Uh, he played Binro. Oh, yeah, in, um, yes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, of it, course, it, he's a great actor. Yeah. So there we go. So, Binro. Binro. Oh yeah, he's got. He's, he plays a Welsh. Uh, OJ and Tugs is Welsh. So, or Jones. <laughs> there we go. That was that. Was, I had to mention it. I had to I had to fit that in. I yeah, thought it was quite funky. Yeah, well, there was the special tug bit tug bit the in, in, in there and finally this from craig brawley dear nick thank you for after the many times i've asked the same question at big finish days finally answering yes to the return of the cricket gloved moon booted exemplars of spare part technology the 80s cybermen yes excellent excellent give me the bow their silvery magnificence enthralled me back then after their dismal outing in Revenge of the Cybermen and I look forward to them being given the BF treatment hold on Craig don't diss the revenge I was waiting for him to chime in there (laughs) sorry do carry on Uh, I look forward to them to be given the big finish treatment in due course hopefully with David Banks returning as the cyber leader uh, the subsequent presentation of your richly deserved Dwas Award for your outstanding contribution to Doctor Who was, I suspect, unrelated to this change of heart, but I am certain that it got a little extra polish due to this excellent news. Excellent news. That's what he was channeling. In bold, yes. In bold, yes. Uh, so best regards, uh, Craig Brawley. Oh, well, thank you, Craig. Yes, the funny thing is that I'd been... Because David Banks was also uh, a guest at that Doctor Who Appreciation Society convention 
that I was attending. And uh, I hadn't seen David for quite a few years. In fact, the last time I saw him, I think, is when we did the audio version of the Ultimate Adventure, the Doctor Who stage play that he <laughs> featured in, uh, playing Carl, a sort of horrible mercenary villain, did it brilliantly. And he came in and did that for us. And of course, I was playing all the Cybermen, doing them in the 80s style. And, uh, and he was he seemed fine about it but I suppose it was a bit like turning up and finding someone else doing his job and he did say to me uh, the other weekend at this convention I said you know well you should you should come back and he said well I, I you know I know that I know that you do all the uh, the Cybermen now Nick in a slightly forlorn way and I said no well I don't have to always do all the Cybermen I said I think you you know if you want to come back and do the cyber leader and give it a bit of excellent and he kind of um he didn't say yes but he sort of he seemed enthusiastic so you know i we never ever uh, mentioned that we might use actors before we or might employ actors before we've actually got an agreement from them so i'm being outrageous here so who knows um we will ask david to come back as the cyber leader it would be but brilliant. I, I mean i I've, I've just done the voices for the bbc audiobook version of the five doctors so i've just done the cybermen for that in a David Banksy style. I, sa- I said to David, I said, I can be your cyber uh, lieutenant, you know, the one with the sore throat. <laughs> yes, leader. <laughs> yeah, the, I was thinking, he quite like that. I he's the one that's slightly nervous, isn't he? <laughs> Don't hit me, leader. <laughs> you fool. Um, you old fool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's. You're always quoting the Daleks. I am, and I, and I have absolutely. Uh, you old fool! You fool! You old fool! Um, I, I really don't mind quoting the Daleks all the time. It makes me very happy. So, yes, that's it for the emails. I've packed them onto the freighter. Um, it's hurtling towards Earth at quite a speed. Um, luckily, all the computers use a weird form of typewriter. And uh, it is blowing up in five, four, three, two, one. Silent bang. That's it, it's gone. The emails are gone. There's not a dry seat in the house. Uh, time now for our guest star interview. Big Finish production executive and producer Ian Atkins track down Daphne Ashbrook at a secret recording session. Yes. And this is what ensued. Hi, um, I'm Ian Atkins. I'm producer of the Short Trips and Companion Chronicles. And today I'm in studio with... Daphne Ashbrook. (laughs) And Daphne, who are you playing today? And uh, how's it going? I am playing, you you want me to say who I'm playing? Okay, Ruth Matheson, Captain Ruth Matheson. And it's going great. It's actually a lot of fun. Matthew Brenner is a beautiful actor, and I've just met him for the first time. And so um, uh, I wasn't sure I was going to get another actor to play with. Um, Anyway, having a great time. It's always a joy to do these audio dramas. It's so much fun. Cool. And we're kind of lucky to get you because you normally live in the States. Uh, how come you're over here this weekend? I came over for um, a, a great event called The Capital, which is run by the Dwas people of Doctor Who. And they're wonderful. And it's a, a nonprofit charity organization. All their profit goes to a charity or more. They split it uh, between different charities, and they're wonderful. And they have a lot of great people involved. I, I went to the one last year and had a great time. And so I'm here for that. But whenever I'm in town, 
I try to get you guys involved if we can. It's, uh, it's always fun. <laughs> I think I, I can't let it go in passing, but obviously you're best known to Doctor Who fans as Grace in, in, in the Paul McGann TV movie. I mean, that's going back a while now, but what were your memories of that? My memories of that um, was a great part. I didn't know anything about Doctor Who when I got it. Um, and uh, I remember just really loving the script, and I just thought it was a great character. Uh, the The role was good for me, and and I really was struck by this whole regeneration thing. I'd never seen anything like it, so I always thought this is clever. Um, and then, of course, uh, finding out that uh, that I was going to be working with Paul McGann because I knew him from With Nell and I, and I loved that movie, still do so much. And I just thought, oh, this will be fun. And then, of course, once I met Sylvester, uh, it was a huge amount of fun. And Yuji was just a baby at the time, you know, and was working mostly with the master. But I really did get to hang out with Paul and Sylvester a lot in the first few weeks and just had the best time because we laughed. We just continued to laugh. And they were educating me a little bit about what I was, you know, about to become a part of um, because I and I, I, you know, they were, they're doing the best they could, but I, there was no way for me to understand what this was until, geez, probably until the 50th anniversary. I don't think I really got it. So yeah, it's very moving, actually. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, we have three questions that normally get asked of, of the victims of the podcast. So um, first of all, can I just ask you, how long have you, you known, known us at Big Finish, I think? Um, 2004. Um, um, Gary Russell directed um, one of these called The Next Life and it was the first time I'd seen Paul since we shot the film and so that was a little weird <laughs> it was like ah but we got to work together um, unfortunately not at, I couldn't be Grace because of the legalities but um, played a different character and I got to uh, act with him again and that was a lot of fun and I met Indian Fisher she was there um, several people were there, um, but it was really lovely, and 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 I, you know, the rest is history. So if if anyone's not heard it, that's that's still available from Big Finish. So the, the next line. Yes, it is. Um, okay, the next question is: um, Have you an uncool entertainment guilty pleasure? Is there a film that you like, or a play, or a song that no one else should like? And uh, uh, there, I probably have millions of them because I'm a weirdo. Um, Let's see. Well, okay. One off the top of my head is you know the the, the film Ishtar. Yeah, um, that, that when that came out because they were so over budget, they just got hammered. I mean, everybody just hated the film and they thought it was way overpriced. And blah blah blah. Of course, it didn't change the change the price of the tickets, as Warren Beatty always said. But um, I when I watch that movie, it makes me laugh until I cry. I just think they're hilarious when they're trying to be songwriters and performers and they're just so awful and it just kills me it's not the perfect movie but it makes me laugh every time i see it and so that's one of those ones where i don't really know anybody else who loves that film so that's that would that would count i think as a guilty pleasure i, I think that's exactly the sort of answer we look for <laughs> okay, and um the last question and i'm hoping this this translates into american speak and it doesn't sound like I'm being incredibly inappropriate, but um, can I ask what's tingling your molecules at the moment about um, anything that you're watching or experiencing? Or well, I just been binge watched um, House of Cards because my daughter 
has done four episodes on that series. And that, her series, the series she's going to be appearing on, is starting to air this month, May. And so I literally was every day trying to get a few of those episodes in. I had several seasons to catch up on. And of course, you know, I guess once you've watched that much of it, you kind of miss it when it's not there. You're like, well, when it's all over, you know, so, so I'm kind of having withdrawals from that. Um, and I've just started watching, um, Black Mirror, I think it's called. Um, I, I haven't figured it all out, but I think I get it. I've watched three episodes of that. So that's becoming sort of a thing now for me. Um, hmm. And yeah, that's, I think I can, I could probably go on, but I won't. <laughs> Our thanks to both Ian and Daphne, and I, I trust that you all out there are sufficiently teased about what Daphne was recording there. <laughs> I've had to just close the window because someone is revving their car next door. Takes a good mind to go around and have words. Oh, a good mind, I give them a, a, a ruddy good wallop. <laughs> um, buck up! Buck up! Um, now here it really is something that is is causing concern. I can't find the randomoid selectron. What? Hold on. No. What is the address? Hold on. Uh, I haven't got the address, hence why I'm googling it because I'm I'm on a new machine. Oh. This is this is sh- sh- shocking. Unless you must have sent it to me at some point. Yeah, I, I found it. I've just googled it. Oh, could you could you drop it my my? How do we uh, just email it to me or something? Um, yeah, or I could just press the button. You press I? the button. Yeah, that's exciting. You can you yeah. can do it. This this is this. You just press it, and I, it says stop, dope kazoo. Select a random big finish. This is quite exciting that I'm doing it. This, this is time. it. The, the the boot is on the other foot. Okay, I'm pressing the button now. Oh, and it's got how appropriate, appropriate. Ooh. Since we teased a bit of Blake Seven news. Uh, it's the Blake 7 release, the sixth release uh, in um, the Blake 7 classic audio adventures, and it's called Caged. Ooh. And it stars Gareth Thomas as Rog Blake, Paul Darrow, Kurt Avon, Michael Keating. It's just got the team in it. It's, that is a, yeah. a big... Yeah. Quite a really Brian Croucher it? as Travis. Here's the trailer. Information. Liberator is now 70,000 spatials from requested coordinates. It's time we were leaving. What? Out there? What's wrong? I thought you'd got a taste for playing the hero. Only when it's not going to get me killed. There has to be a way out. There is always a way out. Logic dictates that sooner or later, luck is going to run out. If you had just listened to us for once... Then we wouldn't even be here. You would have been dead long ago without me. Like Gan. Take that back. It's over. Your crusade is finished. Who have you thrown yourself in with this time? Mr. President, welcome to the cage. Very impressive it is too, Commander. When the time comes, when you've finished making an example of him, I want to be the one to execute Blake. This is a cage for you, Blake. For your crew and your ship. The Liberator. What are they doing to her? Those are drones. Crawling over every inch. You are going to watch as the greatest symbol of your rebellion is ground to pieces before your eyes. No. Cut her open. No! Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com.
I know nothing about it. Did you ever hear this one? I didn't. I haven't worked my way through the Blake 7 audios, really. It's got Hugh Fraser in it. Yeah, um, who is uh, Hastings, isn't he, in in good old Poirot? Yeah, but he's also been he's also been in um, yeah. Was it, I think he was in Circular Time. Was he in Circular Time? He's been in a few of ours, hasn't he? He I, was I in um, War Against the Larn, the Tom Baker one. Circular Time's a, a Peter Davison one. Um, uh, he was in Criss yeah. Cross. Crisscross, yeah. Uh, uh, All-consuming fire. The trouble with Drax. Yeah, uh, he's done a lot. He's done a lot. Him. He's a real bit of class, and of course, really classy cast there. And uh, uh, the late uh, and very much missed Gareth Thomas uh, playing Blake. Um, I, I wish I could tell you all my Gareth Thomas stories, but they're all <laughs> they're all far too X-rated <laughs> uh, for this podcast. Um, needless to say, they involve a certain substance called alcohol. Uh, he, but he was uh, a great man, a lovely man, and he had real faith in Big Finish. I remember when I got him in to do to play Karlendorf in Dalek Empire, and uh, you know, I said I'd really like you to play one of the leads in this new series I'm doing. Um, you know, what do you need to know? He said, "Nothing. I trust you. Just send me the script, and I'll turn up." And he was very straightforward like that. And what I particularly loved about him, and I presume he felt the same way about Blake, is that, you know, he developed a passion for the characters he played and, you know, um, looked after their integrity, as he did with Karlendorf in Dalek Empire. You know, the character development went the way it went because of things he said to me after he'd read the first script and we'd done the first story. He said to me, in your character description, you say this about him and there's no evidence of that in the script I mean is that going to happen and I thought I don't know whether it was going to happen but it is going to happen now (laughs) (laughs) lovely chap very um uh aside from being just brilliant and a good actor very technically adept vocally you know um really uh, could just change the stress slightly just to achieve something really brilliant very, very good to work. Well, he's very versatile. I always thought. I mean, his his roles change. I mean, I, I you know, I, I familiarised myself with him originally watching Blake Seven, and seeing him seeing him as Blake, and then years later, um, he crops up uh, in London's Burning, uh, playing the pretty much the head of the uh, London Fire Brigade. There, completely different character, plays it yeah. absolutely convincingly, and he's he's absolutely wonderful in that as well. I highly recommend seeing him in that because he's he's good fun in that well and gareth was uh, one of those actors you know I th- i'm sure he did the rsc he certainly did the national theater i mean you know he did all those uh very significant great jobs um paul darrow of course a legend absolute uh, legend I, paul I, <laughs> I remember colin baker once said i always love being in a room with uh, paul darrow because it makes me seem understated <laughs> uh, he meant him not me um uh and uh, you know i finally got to meet paul properly when he did a big finish day years and years ago and he was charming and lovely and so lovely with the fans as well and that's always lovely to see michael keating i've spent many a time chatting with uh, uh michael uh who's uh as all of you listening who love blake seven know he's a keen hiker he he loves to walk 
and he's kept himself very young and fit through all that walking he does. Jan Chapel, I did a Myth Makers with a video interview years and years ago, and we had a jolly good giggle. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Uh, down in Kent, we did that. And Sally Nivette, I remember working with her in Spare Parts. Spare Parts. Spare Parts. The, <laughs> the um, Cyberman origin story. And uh, she had many exciting stories to tell over lunch. Uh, also, uh, she brought her black Labrador with her, who made so, and she insisted on having him in the booth with her. So, okay, every now and again, you heard that like, sort of <laughs> noise that Labradors do when they're sort of gnawing at themselves. And uh, she'd be saying, oh, be quiet, be quiet. Anyway, and Brian Croucher, who I uh, interviewed for TV Zone magazine many years no ago, way. Uh, I phoned him up and he said, uh, I said, well, you know, should I come round to your place? And he said, so, he said, well, I assume you're not sitting there in a dress or anything. <laughs> Which was, you know, an outrageous thing to say, of course. And that was back in the 1990s. Uh, if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this uh, short piece of nonsense, please do write in and castigate me. You can tell me to buck up! Quite right. Buck but anyway, up. Brian was a, a real character. It was quite difficult when I interviewed him to get him to talk about... Um, uh, Blake Seven, he mostly wanted to slag off Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> None of which could be used in the interview, unfortunately. There we go. Also, Alistair Locke is in it playing Zen and Aura. Alistair's our go-to guy for the Blake Seven computers. So there we have it. It's, yeah. Well, what else can I tell you? Directed by Ken Bentley, written by Mark Wright and Cavan Scott. Go and listen to Caged. Go and uh, do it. In the, yeah, in the build-up to the new Blake Seven releases that are coming out in a couple of months time i'd say something cool about um paul darrow it's quite it's quite a weird thing but um there's there's a game that you can get on computer called uh it's called elite dangerous and it's uh it's like a spaceship simulator basically it's it's really cool and that uh, and it, it, they've programmed it so you've got the ship's computer and if and you can download different voices in that and and uh one of the voices that you can get through there is paul darrow but it's it's a really cleverly scripted piece of software because you can just talk to Paul Darrow. It's the strangest <laughs> thing. Ever. So you'll be there and you'll be like, um, like, uh, how are you today, computer? And he'll be there, like, going, not great to be honest. You know, we're running low on gas. We've had a long old journey, and quite frankly, you're boring me. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, it's like, it's just having a chat to Paul. And you, oh, you get the cool thing, you know, weapons down, please. And he's there, like. Firing the weapons. Oh, cool. It's, yeah. Awesome guy. Awesome guy. But yeah, there we have it. So go and have a listen to uh, to that. Uh, Blake Seven, obviously, what what else can we say? It's awesome. It's a piece of television gold. So uh, yeah, I highly recommend the Blakey Sevens. So. <laughs> Blakey Sevens. The Blakey sounds Sevens. Like, sounds like something to do with the character from On the Buses, Blakey, the inspector. <laughs> oh, oh, I hate you, Butler. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and as the podcast zooms towards a fiery death of epic proportions, here's Nick speaking very quickly about the latest releases from Big Finish. For your listening enjoyment available right now, starring Nicola Walker, Sam Troughton, the 11th of the classic, Big Finish classics releases The Shape of Things to Come. Yes, H.G. Wells. 
adaptation. Uh, the Ninth Doctor Chronicles, starring Nicholas Briggs, oh, uh, Camille Cordieri and Bruno Langley. Uh, Torchwood, uh, the fifteenth one. Oh goodness me, it's called Corpse Day, starring Bern Gorman and Tom Price. Dark Shadows special releases. Yeah, it's Dreams of Long Ago, starring David Selby. David Selby, what class? Andrew Collins, they're all brilliant. Lisa Richards and Christopher Pennock. There we are. Look at that. That was that was swift, swift straight to the point, and that's what we like. So no messing about. No messing about. No no going off. Just straight up. Great bits of uh, information there. Check them all out there. Rally Marv. And uh, so there you have it. The big finish podcast nearly over. It only remains for us to waffle on pointlessly for a few more moments or months. Yes, because really, uh, Phil oh. Marshall Montgomery hasn't featured in this podcast. You thought he was gone, but my God, he's still here. <laughs> Open fire. Open- <laughs> uh, well, you know, it never truly ends all the banter. That's a beautiful thing. Even when you click... You know, because we're we're not just this isn't pre-recorded. We actually live inside uh, your your <laughs> headphones and speakers. So when you click the stop button, we just go. Oh right, well that's over anyway. As I was saying, uh, you know, and Nick's there. Go, oh, yes, I'm, I'm jolly good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so was there um there was an email into the podcast that I sent you, but I don't think we've read it out, have we? Uh, I... where, where there's someone someone. Um, I mean, we won't do it now. We'll have to do it next time. But where someone. Uh, noticed that I'd used my Montgomery voice. In, yes, you uh, sent me that yeah. the other day. Yes, I'm, we must do that next time. Yes, someone. Yes, because <laughs> someone that, that... noticed I was doing my Montgomery voice in Ish, the main range release. But more more on that uh, story later, as they say. Yes, that must um, have got it, lost, it, it, wasn't it? Because we went, we did the, uh, the the live one, didn't we? So it must have. That's right. We were at Capitol Two, the Doctor Appreciation Society convention, and. Probably, yes, got a bit behind or a bit forward. I don't know what on the emails. But, yeah, let's hopefully feature that one next time. It is the end, but have we prepared for it? Yes! <laughs> Here's the first 15 minutes of Vortex Ice by Johnny Morris, starring Colin Baker and Lisa Greenwood. Nice ice, oh, baby. So, yes, uh, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye! Bye-bye! <laughs> Choke up ahead for five, ten meters. After that? Uh, I can't see. It's gonna be a tight squeeze. Map, Yannick? Uh, hold on. If we are where I think we are, <laughs> we are approaching the northern shaft. If it's clear, that should give us access to the lower levels. Well, how sure are you? Sure as I can be, given that the compass is playing silly beggars. Bad workmen always blame It's us. not my fault. There must be magnetic interference. Just not keen on us getting caught in another dead end. To listen to me... Look, shall I just go on ahead? Not without my say-so. All right, Holly. 
You clearly have something to say, so let's hear it. <clears throat> Just that the ion emission count has been increasing for the last half hour. We're getting warmer. Well, we are 200 metres below sea level. <laughs> you mean we're heading the right way? I mean, whatever we're looking for is somewhere on the other side of those rocks. <sighs> Assuming there is a way through. If there isn't, that's it. We'll have to turn back. We haven't come this far to turn back. Okay, Dylan, on you go. All right. Carefully. <sighs> I want to be able to see you every step of the way. I'm always careful. <laughs> if that's careful, I'd hate to know what you're like when you're clumsy. Dylan? I'm fine. Just had a bit of a scare, that's all. Right. But take it slowly. This mine has enough ghosts in it without us joining them. excavated. A mine. We're underground. Going by the ambient pressure, 700 feet underground. Ambient pressure? Mm -hmm. You took a reading from the TARDIS console before we left. I saw you. I was merely ascertaining our location and date. I think it's sweet you still try to impress me. So, where's this mine then? Earth. Northern Mexico. Chihuahua. Where the little dogs come from. Where, as you say, the little dogs come from. <sighs> no wonder it's so hot. Well, the temperature's due to our depth, not our latitude. What? Because we're approaching the Earth's core? Not quite. No? Oh, it's like an oven, though. Whenabouts are we? Past or future? Well, as far as you're concerned, the present. Give or take a few years. So what are we doing here? You're full of questions today, Flip. Well, aren't I normally? We didn't arrive by accident, did we? No. The TARDIS detected some exotic particles Uncharacteristic of this planet. Uncharacteristic? You mean they're alien? Extraterrestrial. Alien is a relative term. Oh, that explains that look in your eye. What look? That I found a mystery look. You love it. Well, I, I admit to taking a certain degree of satisfaction in the pursuit of knowledge. Oh, what? Doctor! Hey! The wall! Something's coming out! Yes. It seems we have company. <laughs> what? Aha! You have the quizzical look of a man who's wondering what we're doing here. You could say that. Dylan, what is it? Are you alright? I'm fine. But you've got to see this for yourself. Because you're not going to believe it. Flip, they don't appear to be armed, but be careful. Will do. So, what have you got to say f Oh, my. Hello. Hiya. How the hell did you get down here? Uh, we're, um... Tourists. Uh, yes, tourists. At sightseeing. Seeing the sights. Yeah, and we got lost. Hopelessly misplaced ourselves. And we fell down at a hole. Whoops, a daisy. Then we got lost again. No sense of direction. And we ended up here. Like she said, yes. True story. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Who are they? How many more of you are in there? Answer the question. Who are you? I'm the doctor. This is my friend... Philippa Jackson. But you can call me Flip. And we're clearly no threat. Your turn. Why are you here? 
We are here as part of a classified speleological research group. Classified speleological research? Hmm? Doctor, what's spele... Study of caves. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. <coughs> Who are you talking? Oh. This is Holly Whitfield, physicist. The belligerent Frenchman is Dylan Argent, expert caver. And the German is Yannick Wolf, exobiologist. An exobiologist? Interesting. And I am Professor Sai Chopra, leader of this expedition. Professor, I think we might be able to come to a mutually beneficial arrangement. What? Pool our resources. After all, we're both looking for the same thing. Alien life. So where would you rather have them? Where we can see them, or between us and the way out? If they caused rockfall. Uh, I take your point. One of us could go back with them. Mm. And who would you nominate, Dylan? We're, We're all essential to the mission. All right, they can come with us. But I don't trust them. Mm. I'm not asking you to trust them. I'm asking you to keep an eye on them. Oh, a more sophisticated version of your own detector. Yes, the source of the exotic particles is almost directly beneath us. So, it's just a question of getting down there. What do you think it is, the source? It's impossible to say, unless your friend has any ideas. Me? No, I'm in the dark as you are, quite literally. Tell me, what led you to this mine? A satellite scanning for neutrinos picked up an energy spike, like nothing anybody had ever seen before. So this source isn't a new development? No, it could have been there forever, but obviously it might have some connection to the disaster. What disaster? A hundred years ago there was an explosion. Only 20 miners made it out alive, the ones working on the upper levels. The rest were crushed or trapped. Their bodies were never recovered. How many were there? (laughs) Over a hundred. But you must know this. I'm afraid we skipped on our research. So you've opened up the mine? We blasted our way into the upper level, and we've been working our way down ever since. How long have you been down here? Two days. Why? How long have you been down here? Oh, about the same. Two days, yeah. Yeah, the the same. I see. Well, I've spoken to the others, and we've agreed that you can join us. Excellent. On two conditions. Mm -hmm. One... You give us your full cooperation. It will be a pleasure. In condition two. That both of you do exactly as I say. Any disobedience and I'll have you both tied up. And then you'd better just hope that we remember to untie you on our way out. In that case, your word is our command. All right. In five minutes, we're going to make an abseil descent of the northern shaft. Holly, if you could help us set up. Yes, boss. All right, Doctor. What is it? Hmm? What's what? You're not telling them something. Well, you can tell me. The exotic particles are comprised of artron energy. Is that supposed to mean something? Artron energy is usually only found within the brain of a Time Lord or a TARDIS. So, this thing everyone's looking for, it's probably a Time Lord? Yes. That's good news, isn't it? 
One of your people! So one would hope. But I can think of several likely candidates with whom I have no great desire to be reacquainted. Use the brake bar! You're going far too fast! I'll be the judge of that, mate! Doctor, is your friend always so reckless? Oh, always. It's one of her most likable qualities. She reminds me of myself when I was in my early 500s. Careful! You're nearly there. Three meters. Two meters. Whoa! That was awesome! <laughs> I get why you do this caving lock. It's no lock. All right, Yannick, your turn! Oh, blimey. It's like a tropical rainforest down here. Yes, must be nearly 100% humidity. <laughs> Yannick, slow down, for heaven's sake! Yannick, are you all right? Oh, stupid descent I didn't grip. The rope's soaking wet, it was slipping right through the bobbin. Well, we'll have to bear that in mind on the way back. Right, Holly, which way? Uh, one of those two tunnels, that way or that way? Oh, no. Well, what is it? One of the miners. Oh. Yeah. But there are more over here. A dozen, at least. All right, Yannick, Holly, we were expecting this. We all knew what we were going to find, so let's keep it together. <sighs> but they're just skeletons. Well, it has been a hundred years. Yeah, but they're not buried. Which means they didn't die in a rockfall. And there's air down here, so they weren't asphyxiated. And they could gather condensation to drink. The tunnel walls down here are dripping wet. So they starved to death. Mm. More likely the heat got them first. Oh, stuck down here in the dark. Mm. I wonder if they thought they would be rescued, or whether they just gave up. I told you to keep it together. Yeah. Right. Two tunnels. We split into two groups. Yannick, Dylan, you take that one. Yeah. Holly, Dr. Flip with me. Okay, boss. Back here in 15 minutes and no disappearing acts. That's an order. Yeah, this must have been one of the last tunnels to be excavated. How can you possibly know that? Uh, the salt seam has only been partially mined. Maybe they gave up because of the heat. Uh, maybe. Your friend seems right at home. Yeah, this is a normal day out for us. What about you? Spend a lot of time down abandoned mines? <laughs> Not really. I spent the last ten years as a lab monkey at Caltech. Then this job came up and I put my name forward. You volunteered? Oh, if, if we do find something down here, this could be my big break. A new form of energy. Alien artefacts. Hello. What are you doing? That's blue halite. I told my daughter I'd bring her back a present. You have a daughter? Yes, Chloe. Two years old. It's her birthday party next week. We delayed it until I could be there. Well, when they're that age, they don't notice. Sorry. Are you alright? I'm fine. I'm fine. She must be very proud of her mum. Going off exploring. I don't think she really understands. No, but she will. I oh my. What is that? Looks like a giant metal golf ball that's been smashed into pieces. Indeed. The miners must have uncovered it during their excavations. They abandoned their lamps. They must have left in a hurry. This... 
This is incredible. It's fantastic. We have to record this, every detail. I've never seen metal like that before, Doctor. Well, you wouldn't have, because you're looking at the remains of an alien spaceship. And I'll tell you something else. What? It's not the source of the exotic particles. This place is like a maze. None of this area is on the map. It must have been excavated before the disaster. Looks like we've come to a dead end. In more ways than one. Oh, poor fellows. They must have been killed when the roof caved in. No. No? These stones, they are loose. They could have dug themselves free. Meaning? Meaning they were dead before the roof caved in. Well, there's no way through. Maybe we should try one of these other tunnels. Yeah, you're right. No. Wait. There's something in here. Look. Let me see. Let me see. A light? There's a light? <laughs> 